Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Hey, Paul, what's going on, buddy? What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Doing great, man. It's beautiful here. Good. Yeah, your hair looks good. Thank you. I haven't had a haircut in a month, but uh, that'll be man. on the docket next week. I got drill weekend coming up next weekend. Sweet. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we were talking just before this and you're like, hey, why don't you give everybody an update on your fitness coach and, and that plan and how that's going? Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, we love talking finances, but I think what's the point of finances if you're not healthy to, uh, enough to enjoy them? Right? right. So still health is the most important thing um, that I can control. Um, of course, you know, it's faith, family, friends, fitness, finances, kind of kind of in that order, something like that. Um <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, all, all those five F's are huge, but you know, if we're talking fitness, uh, I was thinking this morning and I posted this on LinkedIn, I was like, you know, every once in a while, it's good to get away from, from finances and talk something else that actually contributes to my financial well-being, and that's my health. So yeah, in the last three months, I've been working with my coach. It's been great. Uh, I've dropped 10 pounds down to 10%, 10 to 12% body fat. And the goal is to maintain that and gain muscle, like gain 10 pounds of muscle back, right? Staying sure. 10 to 12%. But I started thinking like, what are the big changes I've made in the last three months that have really helped me uh, physically and mentally? And I'll tell you one of the, the biggest, there's probably four, let me see. Yeah. I think I, I picked up four or five. One of them was walking. I'd never walked like intentionally try to get 10,000 steps a day before. Um, you know, like the old ladies do in the mall, the shopping mall or something, you know, they're yep. getting their steps in, but there's something to that, man. Like nothing. In, that's the most highly, the most underrated fat loss hack out there is walking. Um, so I do uh 10,000 or more steps every day outside, uh, because it's summertime and there's just something about being outside, like, you know, the, the, the frequency of every, the, of nature and how it resonates with you and, and all of that. Like there's a lot of woo woo science behind it, but it, it's real. You just feel better when you're outside walking, as opposed to being on a treadmill or something. So I do that. Um, I spent eight hours in bed each night. Uh, so that helps. Uh, I used to live on seven hours and then I decided to up it to eight. So my mental acuity is a lot quicker as, as you can tell, right? Oh, no question. It's like <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Uh, tracking. You know who this guy is. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, uh, tracking calories and macros. I've never done that before. I thought that was, you know, just something for weight watchers, like track your calories. Uh, but no kidding, tracking calories and getting the, the appropriate macro distribution, proteins, carbs, and fats. Been tracking that for three months. Uh, I do three workouts at the gym now, no more, no less. And um, I end every workday by kind of clearing my, clearing my desk and planning my day tomorrow. So I do that at the end and it kind of puts an end, a, a stop to the day. And yeah, it, it frees my mind. Yeah. And then I don't think about, oh, what do I got to get done for the rest of the evening? I just, I plan for tomorrow on what I'm going to do. And, and you know, I, I don't leave any white space on my calendar. Uh, so tomorrow I'm just ready to pick up and go. So that stuff's awesome. been huge, man. I feel a, a lot less stressed. Not that I was really stressed before, but I, I have like probably the least amount of stress I've ever experienced in my adult life that I can remember. 
Yeah. Well, you had some big moves the last year, you know, life-wise, right? You you quit your W-2 job. You did this, you know, doing the business full-time. You're getting married this fall. Um, still waiting on the invitation, save the date. And uh, <laughs> Yep. You're right. Oh, you're, you're getting one. It's in the mail. Uh, yeah, there's a then, lot. And there's a lot you know going what I mean? on. So, yeah. A lot going on. And right. I think it's important to, like, sh- I have I have this problem. I have, pr- I have trouble shutting off. You know, I do this business on the side after I go to my my other job, you know, my real job, right? So I, I'm, you know, most of the time I'm up past 11, just doing something with this, with this thing. And that's fine. I enjoy it, but I, I want to get away from that eventually where I just shut it off and, you know, go to bed at a reasonable hour. Well, all you have to do is retire, just retire from the army, hit your 20, get out, and then you can do I already this full hit my time. 20. Well, then what are you doing? <laughs> well, you... Tammy can't get out, so I might as well stay in. We were joking about this in the office the other day, and it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you about it offline, what we said, but it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's well, true. Mathematically, there's no financial incentive for you continuing um, just to up your retirement paycheck or something like that. So get out, do this full time. You know, we can do this together. So that'd be awesome. All right. Yeah. And then we can record podcasts during the day like we are right now while you're working from home or not working from home uh, as opposed to the evenings. So, yes. All right. Well, cool. Hey, let's get started. So I think most people have heard this quote. It goes something like the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing you that he doesn't exist. I was thinking about that the other day and I started thinking like I do with most things and you do too. I'm sure you you start thinking of things in terms of finances. Sure. And I thought, you know what? The greatest trick financial advisors ever pulled was convincing you that you'll have less income in retirement than you do right now. And therefore be at a lower tax bracket. Yeah. And everything that comes along with that. So I was like, you know, that is, that is such a, a distortion and perversion of, uh, of thought in my opinion, like who convinced us that we should work for 40 years just to end up with less for the last 30 to 40 years of our life. Like where did that ever become the conventional wisdom and just the way to do it? I don't know what the origins of it all are. The the idea of retirement and, you know, and seizing productivity just because you reach some arbitrary age, you know, that it, it comes from, it comes from Germany really is a really socialist idea. The idea of a pension, the idea of retirement, you know, get, get out of the way for the younger people, get out of the workforce. Cause they thought of the economy as like a fixed pie. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, it can only be so big, right? There's, there's, only so there's finite numbers of jobs, finite productivity and jobs. And that's just, you know, we and, know that is untrue. Right? Yeah. And, and they didn't have a free market economy and neither do no. we, let's be honest. Yeah. We have mixed, economy yeah. at best in anything that even has a, a sliver of a free market economy uh there's there's a never-ending supply of of new jobs there's always new technology coming out that requires new jobs it, it puts moves others into obsolescence rightfully so because it's a poor use of resources and and makes things more efficient um yep. but it's not like oh the advent uh you know people fought against um the automobile industry um, because it was going to put buggy. horse and buggy people out of business. <laughs> right. Well, how many new jobs at the automobile industry and how much more productive and how much more wealth was created in our nation because of the automobile? That's right. Like it's yeah. uncalculable. That's right. So it's but, almost like that's basic economics. It, yeah. 
It's a, it's a good lesson in economics. Um, so who convinced us that having less in retirement was just the way it is and that we should be okay with that? Well, you said this earlier before we started recording, like whoever is telling you that and has been advising you for the last 20, 30, 40 years in your finances, they're going to be right 100% of the time. They're going to be batting a thousand, right? They're going to go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey. Can't be uh, wrong. World's greatest financial advisor right here. I've never been wrong. Every plan I've ever put in place has worked out. You will end up with less in retirement than you have right now. Boom, done. I'm awesome. Yep, and the, and because I'm a buy term invest the difference, we, you know, you'll spend down all your assets and you'll leave nothing to the next generation or the generation after that, regardless of their need for that inheritance. What right. if they need it? No one ever addresses that. What if I? What if my children need the inheritance because of whatever? Maybe they get sick, they get an accident, they get disabled. Exactly. Things happen. Whatever. They have a you know special needs child or something. Like yeah, the future's unknown. Almost like the future's unknown. It's a, a, almost like it is. Like you can't plan your life. Um, like how many things have happened in my life in the last five years that I never would have foreseen or planned. Yeah. I, like a lot, you know? Um, so yeah. And, and then you mentioned it, don't worry, you'll be in a lower tax bracket says who? So, okay. So then you're, I mean, that's just another way of saying you're going to make less money. That's right. But it's even inaccurate. It's, it's false. Even if you are making less money, that doesn't mean you'll be in a lower tax bracket, does it? No, it's based off assumptions that, you know, the tax brackets aren't going to change. And of course, they change all the time at the federal level. And that they likely, you know, I, I, I choose to live in states that don't have income tax. So, um, and I'll move if they ever have one. But anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's based off assumptions, right? And it's, it's just untrue. When yeah. You look at, when you look at what's going on around with how much money the, the government has been spending, um, you know, X amount of years ago, the, you know, the debt was $9 trillion, and now we're at 30-plus advertised debt and has unfunded liabilities, Social Security and, and Medicare and stuff. But, well, wh where's the money going to come over to pay for that? They can't just keep printing money. I mean, they can, but... I mean, they can and they do. They can and they do, but they're going to they're gonna tax stuff, right? They're going to raise your income taxes. They're going to... We already have a capital gains tax, which is, hey, congratulations, you were responsible and you invested for your future. We're going to take the money that was already taxed, your income, you put it into this brokerage account or this qualified plan that's not a Roth, because you can only put $6,000 a year into a Roth, right? Um, or maybe it's a Roth 401k, you can put a little bit more, but not everyone offers that. So anyway, all these rules and all these programs and all these plans, right? Um, who do they benefit, right? They're going to benefit, not you necessarily, the consumer, they're going to benefit the government who created them. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, and they just passed this, what the Inflation oh Reduction Act, like. How do you, how do you address, how do you address inflation we're by gonna, spending more money you don't have? We're going to reduce inflation by spending hundreds of billions of dollars. That doesn't make any sense. It's like. It, it does in clown world. I don't even know if Keynes would agree with, well, maybe he would, he was a weirdo, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, Paul Krugman would, you know, I'm sure he's all about it. Paul Krugman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here's here's one of the big problems I have with that. One is that that assumption that hey, you're just going to have less in retirement. You're going to be in a lower tax bracket. You'll you'll have fewer expenses um, because your house will be paid off. Your kids will be moved out of the house. Yeah, you won't uh, be driving anymore because you're too old and you're, you, you can't. <laughs> you're going to be yeah. in Florida. So you won't. Hey, Paul, you won't need as much money in retirement. Okay. 
Like okay. I'm, I'm qualified to tell you that you don't okay. need as much money. And I mean, is this, is this a, a Marxist financial planner we're talking about? They're only talking about what you need. How about what you want? Like, does that come into play anywhere? You know, I think in some cases, it, in some, you know, we're, we're really, we're painting with a broad brush on purpose due to personal experience, but obviously not everyone's case is going to be the same. There are, there are good advisors out there that want to talk about your dreams, right? But generally speaking, I think people get desensitized. Well, I'm just going to work for 40 years, then I'm going to retire and, you know, dwindle down these accounts and hope that they keep, they, they maintain my lifestyle. Hopefully my house is paid for and all these things, you know, all these things need to go exactly right right for for this to play out you know 40 years from now yeah. everything has to go exactly right generally speaking without any hiccups without any certainty involved though right and it's it's all no. you know crystal ball you know hey i this should work out should be good right but should bees don't make honey as my old boss used to say should bees oh should bees i get it oh that's get clever it? yeah super clever yeah yeah spread that around yeah well so so Another problem I have with this is just what that does to your, your, I guess your aspirations. You're settling for something far less than what you could settling. have, you're right? You're just settling for life instead you might of not even know it without even knowing it because you think you're you're being safe and you're being responsible because that's what you're told. You're hey, you're being responsible. I honestly think most people would prefer that their financial advisor lie to them and tell them, Hey, everything looks on track. You're going to be fine. You're going, you know, you're going in the right direction as opposed to their financial advisor telling them if that wasn't the truth, they would rather hear that than an advisor telling them the truth. Like, Hey, this plan is messed up man. you are, you're not going to be able to retire at 60. You're not going to be retired at 65. Like this is how much income you're actually going to be able to live off of. This is what inflation is doing to your investments right now and your dollars. And by the time you retire, here's what you're looking at living off of. I hope social security makes up for the other 80% of that. Um, because, um, or that your, you know, your kids are okay with you moving into their house. Like people don't want to hear that, even if it's the truth, unfortunately. And I think that's why a lot of people don't look at that and question it very much until they get to the point where it's almost too late. Yeah. Well, yeah. By the time you're in your sixties or seventies, it, it is too late, generally speaking. And I always, I try to put this in perspective for my clients who are maybe a little bit less savvy on the finance side of the world. And I was like, you think about, you know, uh, you know, what do you make right now in income every year? All right. I make, you know, $80,000. Okay. To replace that $80,000 a year from age 60 to age 100, you would need a type of investment that's, you have $800,000 earning 12% every year without interruption. No. Yes. 10%. Yeah. I mean, that would right? get you 80,000 and, you'd you'd 80 and you'd retain your principal so you'd never run out of money. Yeah. Sorry. Brain fog. So, yeah. but... But we're not being offered those types of opportunities that create an income flow like that, right? And we're not, you know, you don't hear people, they disparage annuities, they disparage all these other products. I mean, those those type of opportunities exist because you no and question. I are, are both involved in those kind of opportunities. So, I mean, 10% without breaking a sweat. Yeah, but you showed them like that on paper of what amount of money, what volume of cash, like a block of money would take to replace their, their current income, Yeah. right? And it, it baffles them. They're like, well, I'm not on pace to, to save that much. And yeah. No, you're, no, you're not. Well, what do, you know, what a, a lot of people brag about all the, I had one guy, 
one financial planner who I must have really got under his skin on LinkedIn because he responded to one of my posts. He's like, I've made more 401k millionaires than you'll ever make in your life. Oh, so, all right. Uh, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to fight with you about this because there's, yeah, that's just an ignorant statement. But let's look at uh, a little more closely being a 401k millionaire. So this is a good book. I'm holding it up right now for Paul. It's called Safety First Retirement Planning by Dr. PhD Wade Fow, um, CFA. Is that Certified Financial Analyst? Advisor? Advisor, perhaps. Um, but this guy, this book, it's kind of a, it's a very dry read. You really want to dive into some details if you read this book. So I've, I've read part, I, I'll be honest, I haven't read the entire thing. Kind of because pick through it. I pick through it and read yeah. different chapters to learn it's about different big, things. Huh? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's a good 350 pages almost. Yeah, that's, that's a big, that's a big read. And small print. Nobody's um, reading that book, right? Like... We can't no, even not, get people to read 92 page becoming your own banker. <laughs> right. So nobody's reading this front to back. So let me read some of it for you. Uh, yeah. So this is a guy who analyzed really every option out there for Main Street America. Um, you know, bonds, stocks, annuities, insurance, um, all kinds of uh, yeah, fixed index annuity, variable annuities, income annuities, stocks and diversified investment portfolios. Um, yeah. All, all kinds of stuff and really brought went into it really with a um a, a viewpoint of he had no agenda his agenda was to do the research and report his research and analysis he really doesn't even give too many recommendations in here that i could even find uh, but here's something he says on page 229 and this this should impact a lot of people hopefully make you think it says for today's 40 year olds the real purchasing power of money will be about 60% of what it is today at age 65 and about 30% of what it is today at age 100, assuming 2% inflation. Do we have 2% inflation? No. We I don't wish. even have the advertised 8.9 or whatever. 9.1. No, it's not 9. even close. 1. It's like 30% easy. Um, so this is saying though, at a typical 2% inflation, if you're 40 year old, if you're 40 years old today, and let's say you have a, uh, your goal is to have a $1 million 401k, you're gonna be a 401k millionaire. At age 65, you're gonna have the purchasing power of $600,000. Best case. Best case, before taxes. Right. Right, before taxes. After taxes, you're talking maybe $400,000, maybe less. So how far is that going to get you during the last 30? And that doesn't even take into account the next 30 years, you're going to be living off of that and inflation during that time. Like how much do you actually need to save up to be able to live off that accumulation for 30 years? I don't know. It's not a million bucks though. I, that money's not right. The way the way these Monte, what they're called, these Monte Carlo simulations, where they tell you about the 4% rule or the 3% rule or whatever. Monte Carlo? I've heard of that yeah. place. They're kind of famous so, for know. gambling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not, it's just, it's, it's just not going to get you there. You know, if you have a million bucks, 4% 40 grand, right? So. Now, where are you getting that 4% from? So that's just what they, that's what the, like the, the recommended, and of course, I don't subscribe to this, everybody. So keep this in mind. I. I'm just regurgitating something else that I've 
this is real. It's called the Monte Carlo simulation. There's some other name, but the 4% rule is basically a, a formula, not a hard and fast rule, but a general, you know, Hey, if you withdraw 4% out of your, out of your savings, out of, you know, the, the money you've accumulated over your whole life, um, you'll, you'll keep pace with inflation, blah, blah, blah. So you won't lose your purchasing power in right. your non-working years, which could be one third or more of your entire life on earth. Think about that. Right. Right. And could be, I mean, that's really 75% of your working years, the accumulation period, you're going to accumulate for 40 years. And then, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Take that money out, withdraw, Which, it withdraw for 30 withdraw, years, live spend off, it I mean, down, spend it down for yeah. 30 like, uh, and how much are you putting away every year that you're working? 10, 15% max? So you mentioned the 4% rule. Let's see what Wade Fowl, Dr. Fowl says about the 4% rule on page 24. Perfect. There is no such thing as a safe withdrawal rate, such as the 4% rule from a volatile portfolio. A truly safe withdrawal rate is unknown and unknowable. I concur with his assessment. I concur too. Because, I mean, yeah, how can you be sure that 4% is actually going to make that money last and provide enough money for you to live off of. Right. And you know, is it, is it 4% of the value of the account balance today or after the market tanks 30%? Mm. Is it the year to year account value? There's all these, these, all these things that just, that are just unspoken, I think. And unfortunately, and you can, you can research this, you know, people are running out of money and guess what? Social security benefits, especially if you're just like a survivor, it ain't going to be enough to live off. And you will be living in your someone else's basement, or and that's fine, you know, whatever. But like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, they have a nice basement. I don't, you know, depends. Yeah, nice walkout basement finished could be nice. Second kitchen. Yeah, but that it's and that social security. I think I don't know. We could say a lot about social security, but it is what it is. It's in place now, and people depend on it. The problem yeah. is people depend on it for a lot more than it can actually do for them. Correct. I think maybe social security, I don't know what a safe number is. Maybe plan on that being 30% of your retirement income. And then you can get by on whatever needs, uh, whatever money you need. But, you know, I don't even know if that's a, a great number to go by. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's just not designed, you know, it's just not designed to, it's not designed to live off. It's designed to supplement some other sources, sources right. of income. Right. Um, yeah, it should absolutely be supplemental, not not your yes. main. It's not your main course. It's your it's your side dishes, your appetizer. Yeah, your it's dessert maybe. Yeah, the bro <laughs> I like broccoli, man. Yeah, enough salt yeah. to it. It's not that bad. Oh, I love I love broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you talked about the uh, the idiotic central bank policies and uh, the out of control spending and all of that. Do we take into account when we're doing these financial plans, what are all those variables that could, like you said, what could go wrong? Like what's one thing that could derail your plan? Cause right now it's based on that Monte Carlo simulation of there's a 90% success rate to this plan. I think that's, that's really what they use, right? I know Wade Fowl, Dr. Fowl talks about that in his book. They run these plans and they say, there's a 90% chance yeah. that this plan will succeed. And therefore it's a viable plan. Right. So what about that other 10%? Well, you're just playing the odds. You're, you know, it's Monte Carlo, man, you're at the casino. So you're just, you're betting that they're right. 
But with modern medicine, right, people are living longer. Like my grandmother was born in 1927. She's 95 years old. Wow. Right? And doesn't take any meds, like lives on her own. Till She still beat you and, you know, you play 500 rummy, she's going to win. That's amazing. Every time. Yeah. So, you know, our children, their children are going to learn, are going to live longer. Odds are, right? On a, on a, on a, you know, if you look at 10 million people, yeah, you're right. Those 10 million people are going to live past 100, right? I mean, life, life insurance actuaries actually will tell you that. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, the mortality tables get updated and insurance rates change because people yep. live longer. And that's why in the United States, so that's why these whole life policies endow at age 121 now, not 100. My original whole life policies from 2003 were age 100. Yeah. Um, so pretty, at least they, I think they were. Anyway, you know, Wade, Mr. Fowl there was, was, is right. Like the, the purchasing power of that dollar 40, you know, 25, 35, 40 years from now is going to be at, at the rate we're going. <laughs> you know, it, it's lost a thousand percent since like 1913, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah right. Gee, what happened then? Yeah, the Federal Reserve Act and the income tax. Yeah, hmm. right. And now we're talking about taxing unrealized gains and all this stuff. So anyway, if you, like Nelson said, if you look at what's, just look around, look at what's going on, look at what's being said. Tax, I'm going to say this again, taxing unrealized gains. Taxing yeah. unrealized gains. How dangerous and foolish that is. Foolish. Not once. We talked about cutting spending or anything. So anyway, you need to be in control of your money, folks. You need to put your money in a place that you can control it, where it's private, where it's not susceptible to these, frankly, socialist rules, right? Yeah. And They're where one little thing could derail the entire plan, you know? Sure. Oh, so. yeah. What, what disability, death? Yeah. Uh, loss infl of, inflation, bad inflation. market. The market, yeah, not getting the promised 10% return that your advisor promised you it would get over the course of your lifetime. You know, and we haven't even touched on uh, uh, the other piece of this. One piece, what most people focus on is not outliving their money, right? Making their money last until, until they die, whenever that might be, because we don't know. But the other side of that that gets completely overlooked is underspending in retirement. And that's why I like Wade Fowl's book here. He, he makes a big case to, Hey, you're going to underspend greatly in retirement. If you do things this way, if you don't have this as part of your, your plan, your portfolio and underspending like that, that just means somebody didn't, they didn't get the full use of what they saved throughout their working years, right? You spent the 40 years and you did the right things and you're responsible and then you get to retirement and you don't spend it all because you're scared that you're gonna outlive it. So these people, I mean, a lot of baby boomers die with a lot of money in their 401k that you know, maybe, maybe they did it on purpose. They wanted to leave some for the kids, great. But maybe it was only because they were afraid to outlive it. And they didn't get the full use of that money. Like they didn't live their full life. I think, I think you're onto something and I'll say this, and I've, I've, I've stolen this from other people in our, in our sector, but having, how about having adequate in force whole life insurance later in life, having that a contractual ability to either keep paying premium or to take a reduced paid up policy or something, but having, having that, having that, income that future cash flow to your beneficiaries 
gives you a license to spend. Like, hey, I know that I don't have to, you know, rush to pay, you know, prepay my mortgage if I have a retirement home mortgage or something, right? I don't have to rush to pay that off or I don't have to not spend down all these other assets that I've accumulated over this 40 years plus of working. I can I can spend those other assets down, right? License to spend because I know I've got the future windfall that's going to be that's that's allocated for them, right? Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm still enjoying the living benefits of that those contracts anyway, right? I can take policy loans, I can do this, I can do that, right? So um, that's super important. It's and again, it's overlooked. It's buy term and invest the difference. It's the catch all strategy for every single American, and you will do it. Yeah. Yep. And so that that goes. I mean, the, the whole underspending thing. Like, ideally, if somebody could whittle down their accumulation. So that on the day they died, there was enough money left over to cover burial expenses. Like imagine what kind of life they could live having access to all of those funds, uh, as opposed to leaving behind several hundred thousand dollars uh, because you know they didn't think they were going to be able to make their money last. So um, just another another perspective, right? We talk about looking at everything, every financial decision from every possible angle. Yeah. We don't want to just look at it from how long is my money going to last? We want to look at it from how do I increase the amount of spending I can do in retirement? How do I maximize the amount of spending and make it last? Like put those two together and, and there's a much better plan than just relying on a, you know, you're going to have less in retirement, lower tax bracket, and you're just going to deal with it. Right. It's not very motivating. I don't know. That couldn't get me through 40 years in the corporate life of, want to work my butt off for 40 years and then just uh, have less. So no, I think, you know, I think it's a mindset. We talk about mindset on the show, Dave, a lot. I think you want to, you have to, a lot of people are going to have to change their mindset and realize that, you know, there is a way to live an abundant life for all of your time on earth um, without having to, you know, necessarily pinch pennies. I'm not, I'm not saying you need to, you know, live outside of your means. That's, that's not what I'm saying, but right. there is a way to ensure or guarantee that you're not going to run out of money and that you can still leave something to the next generation and the generation after and the generation after that, perhaps. Yeah. Um, if you live long enough to see it, but. Yep, great point. Well, cool, man. Uh, I think that'll do it for this week. So uh, we look forward to uh, talking to everybody next week. We'll see you then. All right, see you next week. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.